What is up, everybody? Happy off-season for NYUpInSyracuse.com. I am Matt Perino, and I'm joined today by Ryan Talbot. Uh, and We've decompressed from our trip to Houston uh, for the Bills' 22-19 playoff loss to the Houston Texans, and now it's onward looking into uh, a very busy off-season for the Bills with almost $90 million in cap space and uh, nine draft picks uh, where the Bills can really change the complexion of this team. How are you, my friend? How are, uh, let me get you in here real quick. <laughs> I'm doing great. Yeah, it's I, I know it's a little bit disappointing how the season ended for Bills fans, but this is a pretty exciting time for them as well. They're they're healthy cap wise. They have a lot of draft picks. Uh, this regime has done a pretty good job drafting together. You could even give McDermott a little credit for the draft where Bean wasn't quite here yet. So they, they put together some solid draft classes. So this team on paper and realistically should be even better in 2020. Definitely. And I think that, you know, one of the first things, you know, looking at, uh, you know, an off season is where does the team need to improve? And, and that's one of the first things that I wanted to talk about here today and basically trying to, you know, figure out what are the top three needs for the Buffalo Bills looking forward to 2020. And, you know, I threw a couple to you, you threw a couple to me, and I think I want to focus in on, you know, wide receiver, running back and tight end, because with everything said and done, it all comes back to Josh, Allen and what the Bills can do to build around him. And I think that it's very important that the Bills not only build around him, but find some players that could really change the dynamic of this offense. What do you, what would you say is that first need where you say, man, if they can take care of this position, this could really be a, a game changer for this offense. You know, that's a great question. I, I'm going to go off those three choices. Cause when we were talking earlier, I said, offense, 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 the skill positions, I'm going to go with tight end. And maybe it's just because of, uh, the, the playoff games this weekend, the Kansas City Chiefs game, but you saw Travis Kelsey uh, come up in a big way, three touchdowns in that game. Uh, I don't think the Bills have ever even had a tight end like Travis Kelsey, nor even close. This is mm -hmm. like a team that if you go through their history, there's not much at that tight end position. Pete Metzlars was there in the Super Bowl era. You had Jay Reimersma in the, the mid to late 90s. Uh, you've had them try to bring in some guys, but tight end's just that one position where they've never had a star. And I think if you had a uh, – not necessarily a superstar because Travis Kelsey's don't grow on trees by any means. Uh, if they had that one guy, though, that could really be that safety valve for Josh Allen, I think Dawson Knox has the potential to get there, but he had a lot of drop issues. If you can get that in this offense, I, I think that would really help Josh Allen. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I think that tight end is an area where the Bills could stand to improve. I mean, you mentioned Travis Kelsey. Some of the best offenses in this league really lean heavily on, on tight ends. And you go to the success that Tom Brady had for years and years and years with, you know, Rob Gronkowski for a time there, Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, which obviously that, that story didn't end well uh, for anybody. But I think the importance of two playmakers at that position are, are, are something to really look at. And I think you know, when I mentioned uh, over the weekend, uh, what about the Bills going out and getting maybe a tight end one? Everybody or a lot of people kind of freaked out about that a little bit, right? Because it's like, we got Dawson Knox. Don't, don't, don't kill our dream here. He could be our tight end one. He very well could be. But who's to say that you can't go out there and get another really talented uh, pass catcher at the tight end position that could, could completely change the dynamic of everything? Yeah, you know, Baltimore has done that. Baltimore has three guys at the tight end position that can catch the ball, that can help the offense. Obviously, they lean on one or two of them more than the other, but they still have three capable guys. And like you said, this, this day in the NFL, uh, you can really have a successful offense if you have that guy 
at the tight end position that can create mismatches on a consistent basis. Definitely. For me, I think I'm going to go to the wide receiver position uh, a little bit more just because I'm looking at the way this team is constructed. I think they do like Tyler Croft a little bit more than maybe the fan base does and, and want to give him a chance to kind of give it a go on a full season. I do think if they do keep Tyler Croft, they do have to figure out who their tight end one is and who their tight end two is. I feel like at times this year, they've kind of just split carry or split uh, snaps between those guys. And I think that uh, that kind of creates a little bit of, uh, you know, there's just not an ability for anybody to kind of get a mo- some momentum built, especially for a guy like Dawson Knox, who when he was asked to be that tight end one, I felt like you saw a little bit more out of him early on in the season. So if they do go that route, I would say, you know, let Dawson Knox, the rookie that you drafted in the third round, get uh, some more significant um, targets and, and snap work. But at the wide receiver position, it's interesting because there's a lot of free agents that are kind of just ho-hum out there, you know, going through and slotting through, uh, you know, all these different potential players. There's really two names uh, at the top of the list, and, and one of them may never even get to free agency, and Amari Cooper with the Dallas Cowboys. I think that he's the type of playmaker, while it may hurt to, to really drop the kind of numbers uh, that you're going to have to drop on that contract. I mean, we're talking 15 to $20 million per year. I think that what you get back, and not only what you get back in the production from an Amari Cooper, but what it does for those around him, to Cole Beasley, to uh, John Brown. John Brown, who, you know, until this year, his best year came as that wide receiver, too, playing alongside Larry Fitzgerald. I just think that that changes everything for Josh Allen. And you saw in these playoffs, you know, some of these quarterbacks leaning on playmakers. I mean, whether it be Patrick Mahomes, whether it be Deshaun Watson against the Bills and what he was able to do with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, also, the other target out there is A.J. Green. He is a guy that, you know, it would be a little bit of a flyer because you don't know what you're really getting. He's been injured. And uh, when he's been healthy and when he's been active, he's been one of the best receivers in the league. But I think that that would have to be an advantageous contract if you're going to go down that road. But other than that, other than that, I mean, there's not really a lot of options in terms of top-tier wide receiver uh, in this free agent class. No, I agree with that completely. So you, you could go that route with one of those two wide receivers. It wouldn't shock me, though, if maybe the Bills pick up uh, another complimentary piece at wide receiver in free agency and then first round or second round go after one of these wide receivers in this year's draft class, one of the deepest wide receiver draft classes in a long time. Obviously, you can't expect a rookie wide receiver to come in and be your wide receiver one necessarily, unless you're taking a Jerry Judy, which no chance of him falling to the Bills. Um, But unless you're getting one of those special players, highly doubtful that they'd be able to step in as a wide receiver one. So I get why Cooper or A.J. Green would be very uh, enticing there. I think Green on some kind of incentive-based contract where you give him a little bit of money guaranteed up front, but then you say hit these incentives and you can get paid X amount of dollars. That's a win-win situation for Green and for the Bills. Uh, some of the other pieces that, uh, you know, some of the other players, I should say, that could be available. Rashad Perriman, you mentioned mm. him when we were in Houston as a potential target. Uh, I could see him being brought in to be uh, mixed in with the top four wide receivers, and that would greatly help this offense as well. He may not be that number one target, but when you, when you go back and you look at who the Bills were rotating through on a week-to-week basis – as their number four wide receiver, I think he's a big step up from what they have. Mm-hmm. I should have probably mentioned this sooner, but this this video, uh, and, and you can fi- also find this um, uh, on our podcast network, Syracuse.com 
podcast network. There'll be links uh, in, this, in a story on Syracuse.com or New York Upstate. Uh, go check that out. Uh, this is going to accompany our 50 free agent targets uh, that the Bills should potentially look at uh, this offseason. And, you know, it's, I think we'll come back to the offensive line um, as we move along here. But the next topic I really want to hit on is, you know, I think this is a real fan-friendly conversation because I think it's like, what is the dream scenario? What's that one name out there on, on the free agent market where you'd say, you know, whether they're restricted, whether, it, you know, they're probably going to get franchise tagged, whatever the case may be. If the Bills sign this one player, I'm going to be in, in freak-out mode in my living room as a Bills fan. Who do you think that player is, Ryan? Boy, that's a tough question. I think it might be Cooper because a lot of fans would love that wide receiver one. Um, one player that, you know, I'm a big fan of, I don't think, I don't think the fans would go gaga over this necessarily is Hunter Henry at tight end. Mm. I think he has a really high ceiling, but he's had that, those injury issues. Uh, and, and then one guy that I think is just going to price himself out of Buffalo's market, Derek Henry, mm. you know, you, you put him together with Devin Singletary. That's quite the comp one, two punch at running back highly unlikely just because he's going to have a nice payday here, whether it's from Tennessee or elsewhere. Um, but those would be some of those names where I think the fans would kind of be like, oh, wow, you know, that's really going to help this offense. You know, it's funny. I think I'm going to throw two names out there, and they're both a little bit different because I think it's what you said, the one that will really draw some attention and the one that maybe won't initially but but could pay big dividends down the, down the road. And, you know, first off, I'll start with, you know, the big name that everybody it seems like in Bill's mafia is talking about is that, and that's Yannick and uh from the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's a guy that immediately comes in adds Russia that can really bring some of that pressure that the bills have been lacking on the outside for most of the season, not in the Houston game when, when Jerry Hughes and Trent uh, Murphy really just dialed back the clock, five sacks combined. Uh, maybe that's a, a, a preview of what the bills are expecting out of those two next season. But you look at the, the sack leaders for the bills this year Two of the top three were interior defensive linemen. Ed Oliver with five as a rookie, nine and a half for Jordan Phillips, and even Shaq Lawson, who isn't that traditional, um, you know, edge speed rusher um, or, or even sack master, if you will, ended up with six and a half, second on the team. So I think that t- to add a guy like Ndokwe that you know is going to be a constant uh, matchup nightmare, you could pair him, maybe move on from Trent Murphy, uh, although the way that he finished the season last year, maybe the Bills are are, are – holding out hope that he could produce in 2020. Uh, and you could pair him with Jerry Hughes, who how many years does Jerry Hughes have left at this kind of elite level, which I still believe uh, he was flirting with at times this season. The other name is, is an interesting one. And, and, and stay with me here because it's a little bit of a explanation that comes along with it. Left tackle Deion Dawkins is pretty much set in stone with the Buffalo Bills, I think, uh, by all accounts. I mean, he, he had a pretty good – junior season in the NFL is third year this year uh, made some strides but I do think that this offensive line as good as it became in 2019 still has a ways to go to become the type of unit that you could say is a strength of the team and I think that one player on the free agent market that if you're able to install him at left tackle and that is Indianapolis Colts left tackle Anthony Costanzo immediately makes this an upper echelon offensive line because what that allows you to do and I know this has been talked about and bantered about for years now is moving Deion Dawkins back to the right side uh, where I still think even as good as he was this year there's moments when 
there's breakdowns. And I, I don't know if he, his long-term future, even still as good as he was this year is at left tackle on a, an upper echelon elite level offensive line in this league. So what that allows you to also do is then definitively move Cody Ford inside, or maybe you even, if you believe in Cody Ford on the outside, you can maybe test out Deion Dawkins on the inside. There's a lot of moving parts with that, but I think that they're at the point now where they overachieved so much in 2019 that you got to go all in on 2020 while you have Josh Allen on his rookie contract. And the connection that really sticks out to me is Anthony Costanzo's best season came under Dave DiGuglielmo in Indianapolis, his assistant O-line coach, Bobby Johnson. And I think that there's that connection there. He can immediately come in here. I mean, look at that season. I mean, Andrew Lunk, what, years and years and years struggled behind bad offensive lines. And he went untouched in 2018. That's pretty impressive stuff before he decided to retire. And so, which makes his decision to retire even more uh, puzzling because it was the most uh, you know, pressure-free season of his career. Uh, but I just think that there's so, mu- so many things that make sense there. But if you want to play devil's advocate, and I kind of want you to, why shouldn't the Bills do that and, and move Deion Dawkins? Well, you know, that, that's a great question. I, I guess it's because they already have enough question marks along the offensive line that adding another piece in as much of an upgrade as he would be, all of a sudden, then you're shuffling the offensive line again. You're kind of messing with the chemistry that they already have. Mm-hmm. The, the big question to me is, do they bring back Quentin Spain? I thought he had a really nice season at left guard. So you have Dawkins set right now, hypothetically. You have Mitch Morris at center. I, I would like to think that uh, Feliciano is locked in at right guard. But then, Cody Ford, is he a right tackle? Is he not? So mm-hmm. if you bring in another tackle like that, all of a sudden you're, you're shuffling these pieces around and maybe that means Spain's not brought back. And like you said, you kick Dawkins or someone else inside or, or you, you kind of tinker uh, with the rest of your offensive line. Maybe it's four that moves inside. I, I just almost feel like you want to keep that cohesion. They at least have three or four of those spots, I think set in stone mm-hmm. where maybe they just need to either sign uh, resign Spain or bring in another guard that can replace him that they feel confident with. I almost don't want to mess with it too much because that could also uh, mess with with that bond or, or with that chemistry that they did start to form, especially in that second half of the season. What I totally agree and understand uh, with everything that you just said. I think that if they did make this move, though, and I think that Bobby Johnson was such a big part of bringing the guys that they brought in yesterday and part of the reason – or last season and part of the reason why they bonded so well is because I think Bobby Johnson knew the type of – the caliber guy that he wanted. <laughs> With Costanzo, I mean, he was, you know, a leader on that offensive line. I mean, I mean Quentin Nelson gets a lot of the, uh, you know, the headlines. But mm-hmm. this is a guy that could come in here and immediately be an upgrade. I mean, you go back to the Houston game and just take that game and late in the in – the, in the game, just breakdowns on the offensive line and a few uh, by Deion Dawkins where, you know, who knows if you have a guy like Stanzo in at, the, at that moment, you maybe don't make those plays in. But I don't think there's anything perfect in this, in this scenario because you're right. There's so many little moving pieces. Do they re-sign Quentin Spain? Do they let him go and, and, and take a bigger deal elsewhere, move Cody Ford or Deion Dawkins inside, uh, go out? I mean, there's also another uh, tackle on the market in Tennessee's Jack Conklin, uh, who's obviously had himself a, a quite the season that whole offensive line has with the way that Derrick Henry has been so good. And um, there's options. And, and, and I think going back to your point of offensive line being in need, 
on this team. I still think that there's areas where they can upgrade, and I think that they should go out and try to upgrade this as much as they can while they can. Yeah, and I, I completely understand it. Like you said, if you can get that protection for Josh Allen, give him the time in the pocket to scan the field, especially if you bring in another wide receiver or two, uh, this offense could be much improved, take even a bigger step than what Allen and the offense did this past season. So it, it definitely makes sense. Uh, Brendan Bean obviously is not afraid to address the offensive line, as we saw last offseason, where he brought in a lot of names, a lot of people to compete. So it's definitely something that I think could happen. I just wouldn't be surprised if their number one priority this offseason was adding playmakers. 100%. So moving forward, uh, we, we have our, our big ticket items, if you will, uh, on the free agent market, under the radar. Who, who do you think that fans aren't talking about that could be a, a real good get for this Bills team? I'm going to go with running back Jordan Howard. Uh, and I think mm. fans can kind of remember Howard and the success that he had. Uh, in that matchup against the Bills this season. He, he did have a shoulder injury this year that uh, pretty much took him out of Philadelphia's game plan, I think, from week nine on. Maybe maybe it was in week nine that he got injured. But he was averaging over four yards per clip. He's that, he's a guy that I think could complement Singletary pretty well. Uh, no one's really talking about him. There's some other maybe bigger name, obviously Henry being the biggest name on the market at running back. But I think he's a guy that you could get at a reasonable price that could come in and share the workload right away with Devin Singletary. I like it. And I'm going to stay right there with running back. And it's a little bit more of a, a difficult road to uh, acquiring him. But San Francisco 49ers running back, Matt Breida, a guy that at times this year has just looked absolutely dynamite. But the problem is he's all of a sudden in a very crowded backfield. Uh, Raseem Mosert uh, really broke out this season. Tevin Coleman, they signed in free agency last year. And from everything I can gather – the, the idea within the market is that, you know, there's a potential for them to move on from Brita. And I think that he comes in here, becomes a perfect complement to Devin Singletary because he doesn't have to be the feature back. I think no matter who they bring in, whether it be a guy like Jordan Howard, if they draft another guy or even Brita himself, to me, Devin Singletary is still kind of the guy. And, and whoever comes in here is going to be kind of that supplemental um, uh 1B type of back. And I think that Brita has the skill set. More of a game break type of, of running back. That top end speed I think is a little bit uh, more there. I also really think Kenyon Drake could be a guy that uh, is, a, is a game changer for them. But the problem with him is I think he's going to probably stay in Arizona. Uh, Nate Geary, uh, we, we chatted on our Instagram page the other night, and he mentioned that, that he thinks that he'll probably stay in Arizona. And it makes sense. Go after after the, spending a couple of years in Miami, you go out to Arizona, have some success there. You probably want to kind of keep that cooking. Uh, but I think that those are two under the radar guys. What about on the defensive side of the ball? I'm going to go with a, an older player, but I'm going to go with Jason Pierre-Paul. Here's a guy that only appeared in ten games this past season. He's in his early 30s, recorded eight and a half sacks. So he is still that guy that can be that situational pass rusher. Because we were, you know, you mentioned it. A lot of the sacks came from that interior of the defensive line. Shaq Lawson, had, he did well this year with 6.5. Hughes obviously played through an injury this year. Murphy came on late. But they still don't have that guy that can get after the quarterback consistently in terms of sacks. I think Jason Pierre-Paul can still give you a few seasons where you bring him in in obvious passing situations, and he can be a guy that can get you close to those double-digit totals and sacks. I like it. I mean, for me, I'm going to go uh, to the secondary and I'm going to go with cornerback Bradley Roby, who honestly, in preparing for the Houston Texans game, is a guy that, you know, watching some tape on him just really 
jumped at, out at me. I mean, he's a game-changing type of cornerback. Uh, he's, he's had trouble at times staying healthy, but down the stretch last season, even in the Bills game, I mean, a couple of those plays could have been six points for the Texans where Josh Allen made some big-time mistakes. I think that that secondary cornerback role is still very much uh, room for improvement, if you will. I think they bring back Levi Wallace and potentially even Kevin Johnson. But if you could go out there and spend – a little bit extra money uh, and sign a guy like Bradley Roby to maybe a two or three year deal at six to seven million per season. I think that he immediately makes your secondary arguably the best in the NFL. And he has real uh, uh, position flexibility, which this regime obviously loves. He, he started off his career playing in the slot. He could play outside. I thought he was really good outside. He has, he has great recognition and he's so quick to read the quarterback. And I think that that's something that was missing at that second quarterback spot this, this season. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, do you think that there potentially is the need to upgrade at that spot? Yeah, I could see that because, you know, Levi Wallace for a time, he was getting picked upon by other teams. He had some rough outings. He did rebound a little bit at the end of the season where uh, the Steelers game, he sealed uh, Buffalo getting into the playoffs with the interception. He had that interception week 17 before he went down with an injury. They like Kevin Johnson. They were kind of splitting reps there. But if you can get someone that's an upgrade over both of them, I don't see why not. And, you know, it's interesting because a lot of the names that we've bounced around have, have these injury histories. Mm -hmm. And the Bills were one of the most healthy teams this year. And you have to wonder how much of that is because of the facilities that they opened this past season where they really focused on uh, the player and the player health and things like that. And I almost wonder if some of these players that have had injury issues in the past will look at the Bills this past season see how healthy they were, get a firsthand look at the facilities, maybe on free agent visits. And then that might even per, uh, persuade them to want to come to Buffalo. It gives them another reason to come even if, because, Hey, maybe it's a one-year deal. If I can stay healthy and prove myself, I can get big money from the bills or elsewhere in 2021. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, going back to the offensive side of the ball and we'll kind of close out here with a little bit of a two-part uh, piece. And the first one is, you know, Melvin Gordon got so much uh, attention from Bills fans last year when you know he uh, was potentially on the trade market. Uh, Austin Eckler is a restricted free agent. Melvin Gordon, unrestricted. And the idea is they're probably going to move on from one of them. I think after the standoff they had at the beginning of the season, it wouldn't surprise me if Melvin Gordon is not playing in Los Angeles next season. So you take a guy like Melvin Gordon, who uh, obviously can kind of do a little bit of everything, but isn't really necessarily that game breaker. How do you think he would fit in a backfield with Devin Singletary as opposed to maybe some of these guys that are kind of burners, like a, a Kenyon Drake or even a Matt Breida? Um, what do you think the Bills should kind of target as they're going after a, a, a second running back? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I don't know if Gordon would necessarily fit here. I think that he wants to be the guy wherever he signs or wherever he goes, and he's not going to be the guy in Buffalo. We've seen enough from Singletary in his rookie year to know that he can make guys miss. He can pick up four to five yards per carry on something where it looks like it should go for no gain whatsoever. So really, they need to be, find this guy that's okay being, as you said, 1B. Someone that can come in, maybe get eight to ten carries a, a game. They can – probably get into some kind of groove with that many carries obviously it might be spread out over the course of the game but you need to find someone that has that team first attitude that isn't looking for that big payday that I think Gordon's still going to look for despite not having the best of seasons with the Chargers and and just find someone that like you said a burner someone that complements 
what Singletary does not have. Singletary can make guys miss. He can pick up good chunks of yards, but he's missing that extra gear, so to speak. The last part is um, somebody that, you know, I sent, I came up with the 50 free agents, did, did all the research, sent the list to you, and you had a couple people that you wanted added as targets. Because the way we do this is we kind of want to do it like, in terms of what we think the Bills need or what they might go after. And I omitted Kareem Hunt from this list. He's obviously a restricted free agent. But you mentioned that maybe, first of all, explain why you wanted him on the list, and then we'll talk about why it might make sense. Well, well, first, there, were, uh, there was at least some speculation the Bills were going to look at him mm-hmm. this past offseason before he signed with the Browns. Uh, how true that is, I don't know. But, it, but if that is the case, if they had some interest uh, before this year, I think they're going to have some interest going into 2020. Now, it's not necessarily easy to bring up these restricted free agents uh, into town and get them to the other team to, to not uh, match, so to speak. But he's a guy that I think compliments where he can do it all as well. He's a guy that you can rely on in the backfield to carry the ball. He's a really good pass catcher. And it's not that long ago that he ran for, what, 1,300 yards with mm. the Chiefs. He's a talented back. We keep saying we need to add playmakers for Josh Allen. Well, here's a guy that maybe you can get. Uh, but like you said, that whole restricted free agent part, you don't know for sure if he's someone that you could bring aboard. But he's someone that I, that I really do think could uh, help upgrade this offense. Well, the more I got to thinking about it, the more I thought, wow, that's really one heck of an idea. And it's, and it's a guy that, number one, can do everything. You know, and, and that's what you want if you're going to go out and kind of try to – bring in another playmaker like we've discussed on several occasions. And the second part of it is even if you, number one, he's not, uh, he's a John Dorsey guy. John Dorsey's not there anymore. So the bill or the Browns are moving in a different direction. Uh, Obviously Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, Nick Chubb is the feature back there. Maybe that, you know, under their new regime and, you know, looking at a guy like Kareem Hunt, who has a little bit of a history, maybe he doesn't fit into their plan. So he's more, um, you know, it's more of a possibility for the Bills to go out and get a player of his caliber. And like you said, you know, just think about the kind of offensive sets that the Bills can run with Devin Singletary and Kareem Hunt on the field at the same time. Look at, you know, back in the Cleveland Browns game this year, the Bills lost 19 to 16. How many times the were Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb on the field at the same time. And that would, that, those were big plays where they attacked the Bills' defense. How good would that look in the Bills' offense? <laughs> that would look very good in the Bills' offense. I think, again, it would give Brian Dable some more uh, flexibility, some more creativity in terms of drawing up plays, which I think, you know, a lot of fans, he wasn't a fan favorite with some of them. But I thought he had a really good job scheming guys this past season, getting them open. Um, and I think just adding another weapon like that, he could really have some fun in terms of drawing up some different plays. Awesome. Ryan, my man, thank you so much. Uh, you can find all of his work, all of my work over at nyupsyracuse.com. We're going to have you covered everything Buffalo Bills all offseason long. Uh, we'll be right here on the channel at YouTube, on the on podcast, uh, and again, all of our work there. Thanks, my man. Uh, you, you earned a little bit of a a respite here, but uh, there's no uh, rest uh, for the wicked because we're going to get right back into it. Senior bowl, combine, uh, free agency, two months away. It's going to be fun. Yeah, there, there is no off season in the NFL. That's for sure. There's always something. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. And like I said, guys, nyupsyracuse.com. Check it out for all your Bills content, and we'll see you soon.